another season of the Art vs. Commerce podcast. I'm your host, Jared Levy, and our sponsor is Masters in Motion. And uh, this week, starting things off is with Colin Watkinson, ASC. He is our first ASC cinematographer on the uh, on the show. We have a couple this season, so uh, really stoked about that. Um, Colin, of course, uh, was the DP, the pilot DP, and then... Uh, Shot a lot of episodes for The Handmaid's Tale. Um, we talked all about that, and also we went through, uh, you know, his entire his entire career. And you know, I re- I really enjoyed um, speaking with Colin. I think that there was a lot of opportunity to kind of chat about the things that we really enjoyed, you know, talking about on this uh, podcast in particular, which is just you know dealing with the highs and lows and how you get to where you are. I think for someone who is obviously uh, incredibly accomplished like he is. Um, and is an ASC member, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to, to hear about someone who is still dealing with the same types of doubts that we all do and, and the same concerns and the same thoughts and the same ways of um, needing to make decisions and sometimes having to make decisions for your family and, uh, you know, taking certain jobs because of that, which is something that we spoke about. And I think that when you hear that type of conversation from people that you really look up to and admire, uh, it's just... I mean, I think it's the whole it's the whole point. So this season kicks it off with a bang with Colin Watkinson. And um, just want to let you know, obviously, we are sponsored by Masters in Motion. And this year, for the first time, usually it's every December in Austin, Texas. And this year, it'll be the 10th annual uh, for Masters in Motion there. But now, for the first time in Philly in June, June 15th to the 18th, is going to be uh, Masters in Motion in Philly. And so um, that is where John and Christina, who run it, that's where they're from. So they wanted to do one in their hometown. And I think it's going to be able to draw a lot of uh, East Coast people, maybe more so, more, more New Yorkers as well. Um, so that's, that's uh, really exciting. And, you know, the last time we haven't had a show since Masters in Motion last December happened. And, I, you know, I think it was a great success and that everybody had a ton of fun doing it. Um, and for all the people who went there for the first time because of listening to this show, Thank you so much for doing that, and I hope that you had a great time. I think that you did the uh, conversations that I was having while there certainly uh, indicated as much. So that's that's obviously what we want to hear, and I'm so glad that so many people were um, able to go and, and found out about it and went and, and, and had a really good time. And so, yeah, this week, a whole new season starts, and it starts with Colin Watkinson, ASC. So, I, you know, to start off, I know that you just recently won the ASC award. I want to say congrats about that and how you're, okay. see how, see how you're feeling about that win and what that was like. Feeling pretty good, thanks. Yeah, um, very happy, very honored and, um, you know, surprised. Um, the competition's really tough and we were in season three and, uh, and there we go, we go and win. So, it's, yeah, I'm really happy about it. Yeah, does that um, does winning something like that put into perspective anything in an interesting way about the work for that show or the work for that episode? Does it does it make you does it does, do you reflect on it any differently because of it in any way? I don't know if I reflect on it differently. Um, it makes me happy that that particular piece of work, you know, has been recognised. You know, we we worked hard on all of Handmaids to try and you know tell the story how we wanted to tell it. Yeah, um, try, trying to keep a constant thread, and um, you know, some are better than others. So that was uh, I was pretty happy with that one, mm-hmm. and yeah. So uh, you know, I, you know, I, I do look back on them. I try and you know, 
remind myself what we did and how we did it. You know, what, why we did certain shots. Just like it's always a case for constantly keeping uh, abreast of why you did stuff and trying to maintain some sort of um, thread. You know, to, to my to, to, to my work. Yeah, yeah. I I um I've been thinking about that a lot in terms of like how what I would what I wanted to talk to you about and kind of go through everything. Um, to go to go back to the beginning, I noticed just in like looking over your filmography and and, and resume that you know you were um, an AC for a long time, and then it seems shortly after kind of switching that Honorage came up as as a, a big opportunity for you, and I was wondering what that. What that transition was like going from AC to DP, and how you kind of found your footing, um, seemingly quickly in terms of having Entourage be one of the first major things on your on your resume. Entourage was two thousand and eight, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been a DP by that point officially for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unofficially for eight nine years, but it still felt like it was a great, it was a huge leap for me. You know, it was my career's kind of takes these strange leaps. You know, I, I did a film mm. two thousand four. Um, you know, which is very early to do a film of that size. I think, you know, uh, from a, a young DP's point of view, and then then took a couple of years to actually think about what I'd done on that. You know, and when I was doing Entourage, I guess I was still working that out. I was still working myself out. Yeah, what do you mean by that? Thinking about what you did on that. Well, you know, it's it's kind of when I you know raced into doing a film so early, you know, and raced in with a plan and carried the plan out, and it was you know I was really happy. We were, we were all very happy how it came out. You're talking about the fall. Yeah, the fall. Yeah, and um, but it just it did feel like such a it felt like how did I get here? Yeah. So um, and so I just had to like have a think about it, you know, and. Um, and reevaluate what, what what I was doing, where I was going. Then moved to America, and you know, kind of things kind of changed. My, you know, my work got influenced by other stuff in America, and it, it, it kind of wavered for a bit in my eyes. You know, um, as it, again, as it tried to sort of sort itself out, what I was, what type of, what type of work did I want to do? How did I want to do it? That's interesting. Um, I'm I'm curious that you know, so you you do the fall, and it's successful for you but that puts you in a, an interesting headspace it sounds like a little bit yeah you know um almost like you know, again there's, there's an imposter syndrome you know so what mm. am i doing here yeah do, do i know what i'm doing and you know in, in, in the end you start to realize that you'll never really know what you're doing mm. completely and you should be happy with that it's, it's a learning process every day as a director of photography and you have to embrace that um you know, guiding yourself in. You know, you'll never. You know, I, I don't think I'll ever be completely confident. Really, confident enough. To, confident enough. Confident enough to go and do it. But like, you know, it's still every day. There's, you know, there's a reassessment. What is it? You know, why am I doing that? You know, um, can I do it better? Yeah. Um, you know, things like that. Yeah. And so you, you were you were mentioning before. You know, you were in that kind of headspace thinking about it. Uh, were you um, contemplating? on a technical level, like different ways that you wanted to be approaching stuff or, or aesthetically? <clears throat> aesthetically, yeah. You know, lighting, you know, what, uh, what it, you know, cause I try and control what the lighting is. I don't you know. I, you know, I like the gaffers to aid me rather than do it for me. Sure. Um, 
So I like to be able to, when I'm making a decision, it's like I'm making a decision. I know why I'm making it. Yeah. You know, and, and every every degree you move the camera, every degree you move a light, everything mm-hmm. changes. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like where where does the light need to be? You know, and, 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 and to begin with, I was just kind of working out where it was need to be, just to just to get the feeling I wanted, and then and then it's like, oh, well, where does it need to be to tell the story? Yeah. You know, it's, and that was like that was another leap. You know. Yeah, and it's interesting that you said that. You know, so the fall you felt was a very large film to get for where you were in your career and then it sounds like following that up was then with Entourage which seems like a huge TV series to get huge leap. off of that a huge leap yeah it was a big it was a big leap that was thanks to Mark Mylod for some reason he uh, stuck with me you know and um, they asked me to do season four I didn't get that and then season five and that worked out um, and I had a great time doing it you know I really enjoyed it what do you think you took away the most in terms of going? Because I would imagine you were going into it um, with certain nerves, surely. Um, what was that? What was that like going into something that seemed was so huge? I mean, especially by season five, it was a huge show. Yeah, but it had a, it had a, you know, it had a great energy of how it operated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had to. I felt like I had to just dive in, grab hold of it, cling on. Um, work fast that was the you know on every level it was on the scout day day one you know and all of a sudden the questions came at me so fast um yeah I, I'm so sure. many things and i was like you know wow i was, I was kind of taken aback taken aback and you just gotta it's like you either you know uh deal with it or you know walk away so dealt with it you know i had a great uh the line producer on that was wayne carmona he uh I learned a lot from him mm-hmm. about you know, approaching situations, and you know, he, he would call them all challenges. They were never problems; they were just challenges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we and we would hit those challenges together, you know. And that's uh, I've kind of I really I just really it really resonated with me at the time of of a way of looking at something and, and how it becomes a team effort. Yeah, you know, and it's not it's it's never us them or at, at any level. So it's we're, we're all in this together, and yeah, how do we how do we work it out? Would you say that that was your biggest takeaway from that experience? Um, in particular, from Entourage in particular? One of them, for sure. You know, there was many things. Um, how to, you know, how to, because I, I, I did a lot of research. I watched, you know, um, and I met him on Friday night for the first time, Stephen Fearberg, who created, who was the first DP on uh, Entourage. Mm-hmm. And I watched every single episode, trying. You know, I didn't want to copy him, but I wanted to know what the show was, and what he created. It was such a good show. It was like, how did you know? How did it come together? Yeah. Um, and then what, what? What? What could I bring to the table just to sit in with the show? I'm curious about that. I'm, I've talked to a lot of DPs from um, television shows, and I I find the, I find it super fascinating the, uh, how there are just so many people that are making a show episode to episode and that there is a show consistency um, being achieved by so many different players in the, within the same roles, just depending yes. on the episode and, and depending on the season. How, how do you go about, because I, I found what you said interesting, just that you didn't want to copy him, but you wanted to like, you know, really understand what he did. What do you think in more granular terms, how did you achieve that? It's, it was a sense of... Um the movement was the handhelds. It was, you know, it was a show that was relatively new for its t- 
time of being all all handheld. Mm. You know, it had a life to it, and it had a because the camera would spin around. And Mark Marlowe really ran with this. You know, we would walk into a location and you would do a three hundred and sixty degree spin. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, you know, the first thing is, is well, how do I deal with that? <laughs> yeah. And you realise that that's that's what the show is about. How do we push the boat out? How do we? How do you? If you're going to go that way, how far can we go? You know, how, uh, and then you just start really getting into it. You know, having huge walk and talks and in and out and uh, giving up on certain things with lighting. It's like okay, then that will be like that. You know, what we say. So sometimes you, you have to get through the scene. You know. Don't be too. Um, don't dwell. Don't don't dwell on something so much. You know, there's much bigger sequences that you'll need more of your time. So you have to try and learn how to balance your time. Yeah. You know, and that that would come along with the first AD. Was you know, the set the scenes would be balanced in that way. Is that okay? Then I only have I only have an hour and a half of that scene. Is like well, you know, get your skates on. That's got to <laughs> got to fit into that time. You know, and then they would leave a little more time for some of the bigger setups. Yeah. You, you were guided. You, you, you never felt on your own. You felt like guided together as a team. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine, especially with TV and how much filming there is, that time management takes on a. Uh, it's always important, but I could see it being uh, becoming more and more of a thing with block shooting um, and dealing yeah, with so much. Yeah, I think it's always been a thing with TV. They've, they've always had you know, serious time constraints, you know, and, and now with them trying to. Know, in the in the advent of you know, the golden age of TV, as we're all calling it, yeah. you know, everyone's trying to sort of step up and you know make something that's um, special. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's definitely more time than there was in the past, especially mm. um, with the streamers. But it's still it's still a fairly rapid fire game, you know. Yeah, you've got to really move at some pace. But that's for, it's, I, I don't feel like it's a pace that we you're. Um, I never feel compromised. Yeah. You know, it's. I mean, whether I just got into it, but I really enjoy the speed that it works at. I think I'd be slightly bored if it was slower. No. Yeah. And you feeling that that knowing that speed that it, it impacts your prep differently at all? So that you're prepared to deal with that speed? Yes, you have to be. Yes, you can't. You know, the prep's important. Um, you can't. You know, again, prep is. It all depends on your director. Sure. And the people around you is like of how far prep goes. So some not, some people don't like to have everything locked down. You know, they want the space to be able to you know, to to create within that space. Mm -hmm. um, so every every bit of prep's different. You know, do you, you have a preference? Try, again, Pardon? Do you have a preference? No, my preference is to is to make the um, is to be able to work with the director and get what they want. Yeah. And and how how they get there. Is that's their that's their deal. It's my job to work with them, you know, and not work against them. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that that's that's great advice. Um, after Entourage, I noticed that you had a just a series of really um, big music videos for large musical artists. Yeah, and I I'm yeah, curious yeah. when that was that a, a proactive decision on your part in terms of like what how you were trying to chart a course with your career or was it more those were the opportunities that came and you were interested in them and it wasn't as it wasn't as um cerebral i i started working with dave myers and dave was uh dave's been incredibly successful in the, in the music video world mm -hmm. and 
I think initially he sort of like started using me on commercials for to try and change his American look. He had, he, he, was very, he really wanted to try and change his look up, and but he was still doing these music videos. So he asked me to do them, and it's like I'd never really done anything of that size. And wanted to see what that was like, and um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the time. It was incredibly. It was really different to anything else I've ever done. You know. How so? In what ways? Just, just in terms of the personalities involved. Oh, for sure. It's, it, it, it's a, it's a step away, you know, um, and each one incredibly different. Such, such huge you know, characters. Yeah. Who would, who would like literally the, the, the whole shoot would evolve around, and then you've got Dave, who, who again is a very strong director, you know, doing the dance magically uh, around these people to sort of you know to get what he wants. Mm. You know, again, he doesn't. He would approach every video with a very strong visual um, point of view. That's got to be exciting, as as the TV. It, well, yeah, yeah. Until you didn't get it, and it was um, it's not quite enough. So you know, in those days, there was it wasn't quite enough time to do. If you wanted to try something, you, you know, you would basically try it there and then. Mm. And you know, and sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't. And if they don't. It's like, oh, quick, we're going to fix this quickly. You know? yeah, um, yeah. Luckily, Dave has a lot of tricks up his sleeve. Mm. A lot. So, um, yeah, they were good. They were fun times. Um, I think I finally came to the end of it. I, I just... Um, I thought there was just one particular video that I didn't particularly enjoy. I thought I was going to enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I still I enjoy the, I enjoy the, the, uh, the product, but... The experience? I really enjoy the process. So, I kind mm. of, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to do it. I, I, I walked away for a bit. You know, yeah, and, um, like like so there because the, I, I guess in terms of charting that course, at, at the onset there was def, definitely you're saying like a proactive decision to go into, um, to go into music videos, and then there was a proactive proactive decision to walk away from them. Yeah, it was proactive to walk away from them. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was never gonna be totally satisfied with them. Mm. You know, it's just, it's just, that's just my own personal take on it. I just couldn't, you know. I wanted to get, you know, there, there was elements of, because the, the, there's, you know, there can be tiny little stories, and there's, there's the fun in that. Um, but, you know, I was just pushing, you know, again, I knew I wanted to go, I was just, it's how do you get there, and I didn't want to constantly get, you know, and the, so the next uh, sort of couple of years was locked down into something else, you know, a totally different world. And that was great as well, but I couldn't stay. You know, you couldn't stay in that world. I knew I wanted to get to the drama world. It was just how, to, you know, how did I get there? Right, right. And you know, you, you, you're looking for steps and opportunities all the time. You know, and, uh, trying to enjoy what you're doing at the same time. Right, but it does sound like you're because it's kind of interesting. I've talked to a lot of successful DPs, and each of them have their own great career. And I find that it really is split on. So a lot of you know half are saying that no, you know, I, I don't try and think about it that much. And then the other half is like, I, I, I really did make a concerted effort for things to go certain ways. Um, so it seems like it, it can happen either way. It, it's interesting to hear that, that you're more in the, in the vein of really trying to think about it. Yeah. I mean, again, you, you know, I guess sometimes there was a lot of thought went into it. Yeah. And, and then, but then when there's, there's chance... There's, you know, there's taking chances, there's chances, opportunity that you know, come in your way or don't come your way. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of it's like up in the air. You can make all these plans, but they might be totally in vain. 
totally. If the, if, if the chances don't come your way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, so it's, I don't, I know, I don't believe, you know, like this people say, if you will something, it will happen. Mm. I don't know what I think about that, but you know, it's certainly being a case of like, well, if you don't think about it, then it's not even on your radar. Yeah. Right. So uh, I would you know, constantly you know, try and get where I want to go and you know, look, looking for the opportunities all the time. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. No, and that makes sense. And at a certain point, there is something humbling about the fact that as a DP, you have to get picked for the team. You don't, you don't, yeah. make, you don't make your own projects and you don't make your own ideas and stories. So there's just something yeah. humbling about that, that reality of, of our role. Yes, yes. It's... Um, Sometimes that's just there is just a bare reality. If you sit at home for a month, yeah, you know, that's it. I'm not going to work again. It's over. <laughs> yeah, <No>. yeah. No, <laughs> we've I, all been we've all been there. We have. Yeah. We have. You know, I think a lot. A big part of this conversation and like this podcast, um, a lot of people that listen will reach out to me and just talking about the fact that there it, there's something nice to hear about, like from the people that they really look up to or the people that are making the work they want to be doing to hear about those aspects of their careers it has been powerful for people. And actually, it, right at about this time, I wanted to ask you, because it seems like from the time that you walked away from music videos, um, that there was a three-year period, at least on like IMDb, which you know doesn't necessarily mean anything, a three-year period where nothing came out. And I was curious um, what that what that period was like, what, what was going on, and, and <laughs> yeah, like like what was going on and how you were I, dealing I, with I, it. Well, I had, a, I, had, I had a great time. I was working for... Um, Andrew Zuckerman mm -hmm. and we were working for a, um, a famous tech company mm -hmm. and I, yeah it was again it was a completely different period in life I'd done you know in early days when I was in London I'd worked you know, I used to work on motion control so I'd done product stuff before I'd been involved in a lot of product stuff so I knew and I knew motion control really well and then when I got introduced to Andrew and I, we just we just went on a run you know and um Again, you know, with all these people I've worked with over my careers, especially the ones that you have relationships with and do you know, a, a series of jobs with, mm -hmm. there's so much to be gleaned from people. It's you no, know, and I really enjoy that. You know, watching Andrew operate in his world, you know, of, of you know, um, intense scrutiny to to the minute, you know, minute detail, and his mm. his love of design. And what would, how he would express that, and how would it excite me, you know, with design? Um, I hadn't really gone down that road, so it was a very unusual road for a few, those three years, and I really, I enjoyed it. It was you know, again, it was you new. Know, I learned you know, from Dave Myers watching him you know, operate on music videos was like something I've never seen before. So I, it's you know, so although I know it, it's like a blank spot on my IMDb on my resume, it looks like because you, know, you can't use any of that stuff for those three years, right? Um, I try and look at it positively because I, I, I did get so much out of it personally. Yeah. What, what was unusual about it? It was just very precise. It was very particular. Um, you know, the company had a, a, a style. Um, it had, you know, uh, rule. there was rules that, you know, it had, it had to be a certain way. There was like, an elegance that we had to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then it created, you know, a relation with you know, people working very closely. Was, you know, the jobs were long, you know, they, they mm -hmm. would be intense. Yeah. Uh, 
it was the first AD got me involved there, sadly passed now, uh, John Churchill, really great AD. And the jobs could seem to be quite boring and tedious because they went on for a while and they were very very intricate but he kept the energy up mm-hmm. um, he was like the circus master yeah and you know and, and you know a lot of relationships really forged there you know and you know, working very closely with with people and uh, it was an interesting time it was you know we, we, we would create lights it was around the time of the LEDs were just you know finding their feet Mm-hmm. Um, an opportunity to experiment with stuff. Yeah, you know, as as all the as as equipment started coming out, all this LED stuff, and we would create and make lights. Yeah. To sort of you know instead of to try and speed up the process of what we were doing, and just because you know it, it was there, it was like you no, know, here's here's some, here's an opportunity to try something different. And um, we yeah we enjoy, we enjoyed doing that. We enjoyed creating something that we could you know, work ten times faster. Mm. Um, Still create the set with, with this, what we thought at the time was a better output, um, you know, a more controlled output, and uh, it was it was interesting. It's it's interesting to me too, like especially knowing what your aspirations are and were at that time. That three years in that type of environment, where the only content that you're putting out is is in that way, I can see that being I guess, somewhat difficult in terms. Like in terms of your own thoughts about your career advancement and how you're gonna move in, move into where you really wanted to be. How were you thinking about that while you were within that world? Well, there was a few other factors going on, mm-hmm. which again, you know, uh, everyone's journey is so personal. Yeah. And the you know the factors that sort of you know uh, that you faced and choices that you make you know can be deemed by outside influences not not just work ones you know um, family ones you know uh, mm-hmm. living living you know uh, all, all sorts of all sorts of factors mm-hmm. uh, influenced me at the time yeah, I was aware I just you know I was looking at the time I remember I was with a different agent back then mm-hmm. you know and uh, I would see my name go out a regular occurrences to for films, and not not even a nibble. You know, uh, I wouldn't get anywhere. And then you said, "Well, you know, um, well, that's there's nothing for me there. I'm not missing anything. Yeah. Nobody wants me. Yeah. Um, and 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 the people I was working with wanted me, and I and I that felt great to be wanted, yeah. and you know, and uh, to be valued. You know, there's nothing better than going to work and people actually enjoy what you do, and you know. Yeah. You, you have a positive positive experience from it. Absolutely, I think that's important. I think that's important. Yeah, no. I, without that, it can be a bit lifeless. At times, even demeaning if you don't have that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, and I, I, I think I don't. The, the the hungry need for drama back then, whether it sort of just you know, dissipated at the time, it certainly. I did. I didn't feel scratchy. Mm. I, mean, I did want to, you know. I still want to do drama. I think everyone knew I wanted to do drama, but it's, you know, this is what I have, and I'm happy with it. Yeah, no, I, I, f- I think that that's a really interesting thing to hear, especially because so many of us do have life stuff that comes at our way, and there might be people that we're providing for, and then, you know, there are certain options that are presented where you need to take them, and I think it's great to hear. Uh, that type of story from someone with your with your career and 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 what you've been able to achieve because it 
it makes it realistic for really anybody at any scale. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It, it, it truly is. You know, it's like I definitely think you know, moving to America. I, you know, I was so naive when I did that, and you know, how is this going to work? And so, well, it's just going to work, isn't it? You know, and there was times when I really think thought it wasn't going to work. It's like going, uh, it's the biggest mistake I've ever made. You know, how are we, how are we going to get through this? Yeah, I mean, and then you know, and it's it's you know, perseverance and, and again saying yes to. Sometimes you just got to shoot, you know, and you just got to go, you know, and, and you meet people, go in with people and uh, keep yourself busy and be happy about it. You know, I'm not the happiest guy in the world all the time, that's for sure, but, you know, I was, if I look back on it, I, I was definitely, there was a positivity that, you know, kept me going. Yeah. Um, and see where it takes, see where the journey takes you, you know, it's like just to be, just to be, paid to be a director of photography I was happy with you know just to, that I was okay I'm living as a director of photography I'm, that's what that's my only source of income yeah so I'm happy with that right there's the, I'm, I'm on the I'm on the blocks already you know and now it's like how do we how do we you know, um, get where I want to get to yeah I, it's interesting having that having that move um, into another country uh, and all of the all of the weight that's on that and then you know, like the things that people don't talk about is that it almost, in a lot of ways, for a long time, you're not, the the opportunity to dwell on, did I make the right decision, like, is there for much longer than people think. Like, anytime you yeah. hit a rut, I would imagine that that might come up, and it could be five years later, and, and, and those types yeah. of, of, of thoughts are still persisting. Yeah, did we make the right decision? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Luckily for me, I can say yes, 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 we did. You know? Yeah, I think I think at this point we could say it objectively. <laughs> <laughs> As an outsider, I, I think you did. Um, cool. Well, in in um, eventually you did move on, and then it and then you know in 2017 you're you're getting um, opportunities with like em the show Emerald City, um, and and of course Handmaid's Tale. How how did um, how did you eventually make that p pivot in? Um, Emerald City was with Tarsem, who I've been working with. You know, I started being a, an assistant for Tarsem in 1993. Yeah. So I, I'd worked with that team for many years. Um, Tommy Turtle was the, is the producer, and we were talking, you know, back in 2016 about, uh, well, no, even earlier than that, maybe the year before that, whatever it was. Um, talking about you know just looking how television was going and we think we just said we'd like to get into television you know again you say these things you know we, we would just say them to each other and so we were looking we were all, we we're on the lookout mm -hmm. you know and then lo and behold Tarsem himself gets a tv show you know uh, he's going to direct all 10 episodes and I was in the right place at the right time again you know there was other people that wanted to do it and in the you know sometimes you know looks on your on your, on your side and I got it. Yeah. And off we went to Budapest, and we got in the first AD, Phil Patterson, who I'd worked with you know, before. And working with Phil is truly tremendous. You know, I'm not going to use the word tremendous ever again. And <laughs> no, he's a great. He's such a, a fantastic filmmaker, and I learned a lot from him. Mm -hmm. you know, and Tarsem promised us we'd have a good time making Emerald City and we did yeah you know it was a fun experience and uh, great sets you know it was a big job 
we cross-boarded it, 10 episodes, we had all the scripts beforehand, so we cross-boarded all 10 episodes, shot it like a you know, 10-hour feature over 125 shoot days. Wow. And, it, yeah, it was um, I'm, you know, a bit sad that it didn't do better than it than we wanted it to. Mm-hmm. But I was, you know, I was happy with I was happy with what we did, and I enjoyed what we did. And then, two months after that, I got I got home, and I was I was in a job in Lisbon, and I got and got the call from Reed Morano, you know, and it was like I'd read the book in 1989, so I knew that I knew the source material really well. Yeah, the book the book blew my blew me away, and you know I was into those type of movies at the time. To see Handmaid's Tale on the, on the cinema, it was garbage, and it was like there's a, there's a there's something that hasn't been done properly yet. You know, a great book that hasn't been done properly, and it spoke to them. But it was like another trip away. It was a huge you know, uh, stint away from home. Spoke to my wife Joe. You know, what should we do? And she said, "You've got to do it. I think you've got to do it." You know, I know it's I know you only just got back, but you know, again, these these type of jobs don't come along very often. Yeah, and I know you know. It's, Personally, it didn't really fit into what we wanted to do at the time. You know, I'd just been away for nine months. But we just decided to run with it and looked at the you know, looked at the, the project and went, no, this is worth it. This is worth the sacrifice. You know, we'll work through it. Yeah. Um, and we did. And, uh, yeah, it was a, you know, one of the best decisions I've ever made. How, how did how did those early conversations with Reed um, happen? Did she contact you knowing that she wanted you to be the DP? Already, like out the gate. I, I I know I wasn't first choice, um, you know, and that's that's okay. Mm-hmm. Whoever whoever was going to be first choice didn't do it, mm-hmm. and I don't know how far down the line I, I was, but I was I was there, mm-hmm. and you know we had a conversation, and the conversation just went really well, you know. Um, yeah. Again, because I knew, you know. Although I'd read the book, it was a, it was a while ago. So how much do I did I remember? Not, you know, not probably not an awful lot. I didn't really. Get, I didn't get time to read it again before before we had our meeting. But I knew enough, and it, we, I think we just clicked on quite a few things of how, and how. Even when, but when I went to prep, I was like didn't quite know where I was going to fit in. You know, Reed's a very powerful filmmaker in terms of what she you know, she knows what she wants. She's, you know, she's incredibly smart and she knows how to get what she wants and I was like where do I fit in and she just went don't worry about that you'll 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 know soon enough and it, you know as we started getting into it it, it all seemed, it all it all made sense where I where I fitted in yeah because I, I was curious to talk about that with you know speaking to working with a director who's also an ASC cinematographer herself um, yeah. that's that's got to be a unique situation when someone knows how your sausage is made super well. Like it, it's yeah. Ha, what, it's funny, what I've was done that it twice like? now. I did, I've done it with Reed mm-hmm. and I did it with Anna Forrester, mm-hmm. and and both times have been really enjoyable experiences. They how it's so? Four, you know, it's two heads is better than one. Uh huh. Um, you get you know you can just work stuff out. Faster, you know, more efficiently, um, more creatively, you know, push each push each other's boundaries, and, and generally, you know, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a pressure to that. It, you, you know, you're working for a cinematography. You better, you know, you better. There's, there's no there's no sort of sitting back and you know, resting on your laurels. You gotta, you yeah. gotta, 
you know, try to impress them, you know, mm -hmm. and... Were there any you know, moments... But still telling the story. Yeah, were there any moments in those early discussions that stand out where it was, I don't know, that, that elements of those discussions were going differently because you were talking to a cinematographer and not, you know... No, it, no, it was always, um, both, both occasions, it's been a positive experience. Mm -hmm. It's 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 only ever everything about it of, of, of working for cinematographers has been positive for me. Yeah. Um, it's funny, you know. It's it, over the years it's working with some directors who think they're great cinematographers, <laughs> you know, and their taste is the best taste in the world, mm -hmm. making you feel and you know it can make you feel small and insignificant and, mm. you know, and, and, and that your stuff's crap. Um, not once with either of those two. In fact, it was the opposite. They're, I would imagine that that that, that great morale boosters. Yeah, I can see that that making sense because they because they know they know the craft. Like, yes, and they, they yeah they know they know what, how I'm feeling at that particular moment in the day, and they know all the crap I have to go through, all the bad sides of the job. They know. Yes. And they would never ever pile any of that on you on me. So it was, uh, and that that's a good that's a great feeling. Knowing that it's like if somebody, somebody else has your back. Yeah. Even though it's the pre there's a bit more pressure on that side because they know what they're doing. Um, the the these are flip side is that they'll you know, they they'll they'll never bone you. Yeah. Right? You say that? I'll say that. Take you that can... out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what you're... <laughs> you you can say it. You can say it. <laughs> no, but it's 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 totally true. Um, I, I could see how in all of these little situations. I'm sorry. I used to love the word. I used to love the word tremendous until Trump killed it. Oh yeah. Totally destroyed you. The use of that word. <laughs> stole it. <laughs> He's stolen a few things. Um, yeah, I, I I could see how that. They just know. They know your challenges. They know your difficulties. They know what you're up against. And hopefully, uh, yeah. and it sounds like that that can make them more. Have more compassion for for the you know your your role and your plight that you're and, and the things that you're personally up against. Um, yes. In in terms of the the prep for Handmaids, obviously the show has a very distinct look, um, and I was curious about how the creation of that look came about. Um, what the what I'd love to get more more technical now, just kind of deep diving into Handmaid's Tale and just kind of understand how. Some, how that how that aesthetic um, was was born, and like what what the process was to getting it to to that point um, of of being that stylized. Yeah, it was. Well, first of all, it was, it, 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 it's a huge team of people. Mm -hmm. You know, let's just talk about the visuals, the story we know, the great writing, mm -hmm. great acting. Mm -hmm. Although you know, you know it, it's, Elizabeth did actually she. Became more and more involved in the in the, in the look of the show, in the shots that the show would do um, as we went on. It was uh, well from the from the day one, but when Reed left, we had to carry that on. But we, uh, you know, I, when I joined the prep, Reed was going around all the locations with a little swatches of uh, red cloth. Mm, interesting. You know, and her and Anne were and Crabtree were sampling multiple versions of the of red mm -hmm. you know and they, they, was, we landed on this particular deep beautiful red and she would take it around to every location and put it in pictures or get her assistant to wear a red robe you start to get the vibe very early on and reads really good i can't tell about it but she's really good at taking pictures 
location pictures and getting the vibe that she wants to get. She's a, you know, she's not only is she a great cinematographer, she's also a really good stills photographer. So annoying. And <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, how many talents can you have? And, um, and then Julie Berghoff turned up. No, she pictures up and Julie's sensibility with texture and color. I mean, man, wow. Um, it was, you know, when, it, when someone says something, oh yeah, yeah, this is my speciality, and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, speciality with genius at it. Mm. Absolute genius. And what she did was like, wow. With just, just wall texture. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, so she came along, she did that, and did her thing with the costume. And, you know, I'm there shaking in my boots, going, what am I doing? You know, and then we, we, you know, me and Reed had spoken about, we'd spoken about colour and we'd spoken about where we wanted to go with the grade and we started off day one and I got in this DIT, on set DIT, Ben Whaley, and he was only supposed to be there for a month as the other DIT was, uh, wasn't ready. And after, you know, day one we did a grade and we were like, yeah, yeah, no, not so much, eh? And then we just said, let's push this. We, you know, we pushed the colours all the way this way and all the way that way. Mm. And I think he, he went, yeah, 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 have a, and he just, you know, I had a good old crank on it. And I think he thought, I'll, I'll, I'll send them over the edge. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? And we, he went there, and we went, oh, that's exactly what we want. That's perfect. <laughs> and, <it> was, <laughs> and then he, he, I watched him enjoy himself, you know, uh, having so much control, because we would like, you know, it, so much control to the point that I would take him into the main grade once after the edit, you know, and I'd take him into the room because he was involved so much. We, we, we'd converse so much about what we were doing, you know, and great, this, all right, that's like that. Then we need something that's not so aggressive. There's that. Yeah. And then we need something for night. There's that. And we had all these, we created all these different looks, looks and um, had a great time with it. You know, looking back on it, we were like, no, we're doing another show now and we're seeing how we can simplify that. You know, the show's slightly different. Mm. You know, at one point we were wrapped in, you know, I don't know how many different grades we had, maybe eight, ten. There was a lot. What I'm curious about is it sounds like, because you were saying that you started to have that conversation with him on set, like on day one. So it wasn't like in prep you knew day, day that you one, were going to push it? Well, we know, no, prep. Well, we prepped me and Reed were talking about it. Yeah. Know, we didn't, um, we, we, we had a, a, a day, we did our, our uh, hair and makeup test day. Where we had a run there, we pushed. You know, we pushed the look on that day, and it was it was it was looking good. And we thought we were happy. You know, we chose that. We tested the lenses. We chose the lenses. We knew where we were. It's just when we got out in the field, it didn't quite have enough punch. It wasn't quite. You know, in in the controlled environment in the studio with lighting, it was like, yeah, that's it. That's what we want. The texture was fantastic, and we got we you know it was, it was a great hair and makeup test, and I think they're really useful. It's like I would I'm not you know, testing; I find really tedious. Mm-hmm. But that one, we set it up properly. You know, we got Julie involved with the backgrounds, and the actors were all involved, and everyone was. It was a proper shoot, uh, but still testing everything we need to test, and it really gave us an idea that we were in the right direction. But on day one, we got there. It was like it's a bit weak. Interesting. Uh, and you know, when it's in when it's in the real environment, it didn't quite have the punch we wanted. So that's why he said to Ben, because it was day exterior we started with, uh, and then we said, 
we regraded day one, just pushed it. Yeah. Well, it's nice to be that. More. It's nice to be that present of mind and to be open to that. Um, to be open to your own internal thoughts happening about that and like listening to them and actually acting on them. I think that well, I, there's something to take yeah, away from that. Handmaids, I think, has, 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 has always been that sort of, you know, um, there's, a, there's an honesty factor to handmaids, what we do, of, you know, whether, I'm sure some people don't like it, but, you know, if some, we don't think anything's good, is is to speak up, make it better. It's not accepted that it's it's okay. Okay is not good enough. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I think I went a bit nuts season one, but, you know. But, uh, what do you mean? It, I, you know, just I was just I was just intense about it. You know, I really enjoyed it, and it was like you know after Reed had started it, and I had like to go, I, had, I did the whole season. It was uh, I grabbed hold of it very strongly and ran with it. Well, you know, and, uh, it looks like I mean from a from a cinematographer's perspective, I mean what a blast it it must have been to film. Like the 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 visual style is so strong, um, and then which is only like elevated so much by the set design and the costume design you're it's world building but it's not comic book it, it, it gets to be that level of distinct um expression but but still like very much rooted in in human stuff and and not yes. and not not leaving towards some sort of like cinematic marvel cinematic universe yes 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 it was it was there was always a groundedness to it um, that that was and that was the, you know, its main idea was that you felt like this could be real because there was elements of the past which is today right there and you go that's now that's happening right now what's going on yeah ah the world's fucked you know, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah so that's that that was the that was the, you know and then Gilead being you know so different and approaching that from such a different way mm -hmm. just to just to separate it out from the real world yeah it kind of worked. Yeah, and um, so it sounds like the color was an evolution. In terms of the lighting, I always found it so so powerful the way that you know there were just these always hard beams of light coming pouring in through the windows, um, just these golden rays. Um, and I was talking to uh, in an, in another episode, I was talking to Stuart uh, Biddlecombe, sat down yeah. with him, and just talking about you know how much and. He credited it to you because it obviously all came together in season one. And I'm curious to ask you about, because to me as the viewer, I'm watching that and I'm just thinking about the symbolism of that. And that, you know, basically everyone that's working in that house is like a prisoner. And like the outside light is just like pouring in as like the, the freedom that they don't have. But, but then on every exterior, most of the time, it's, it's cloudy and gray because even when they're outside, it's a, it's a prison too. Um, and it's just so interesting that when they're inside, you know, these, these golden rays of light are coming in, almost it's mocking them. Um, are you thinking about your lighting plans with, with that type of symbolic gesture in mind? Or are those things that, that kind of come together afterwards and you realize that they exist there? How much is that proactively thought about? Well, it's funny you picked it you because know, on season one, it was only around about episodes five or six. Or was that season two? Mm. No, season, it was season two because season two started much later, and so we went into the winter much earlier. And you know, in season one, I felt like I'd I maintained you know the light outside, 
if it was sunny outside, it would be sunny inside. There was only a couple of like ones where it didn't work. You know, sometimes you shoot the interior first, then shoot the exterior. It's like, well, screw there. Yeah. And you know, I would personally try and, you know, uh, I, I, it, there was a reality to what I tried. And I remember episode, it was episode five or six, season two was Mike Barker. I remember it, and I couldn't. I just, it just wasn't working. There was two scenes that went from a, a, a gloomy outside into a streamy light inside and I wasn't particularly happy about it because uh, I do you know Peaky Blinders did that to me where everything was gl- there was never any sun outside and it was streaming light on the inside and I didn't want to do that they, they'd done that done it beautifully I didn't want to do that I wanted mm. mine to have a ground some sort of ground reality mm. um, we, we talked about um, in the prep we talked about how the scene, the shots, the composition of the shots had to, the shots had to last a lot longer. There was a weight. We wanted a weight to the shots um, so they could, you could sit on them and just like have a good old think about it, you know, and let the acting do its thing. Mm-hmm. And to do that, to achieve that, we thought, well, they, they have to be like a painting, you know, like a painting has, you know, there's layers and you can stare at a painting for quite some time. Mm-hmm. That's what our, that's what our shots had to be. Um, so we, me and Reed talked about volumetric lighting and you know how we would achieve that. So that's yeah. So we came around it from that point of view. We had other, you know, those same those themes that you were talking about. There was other things in that, you know, the confinement, you know, um, the, the prison. There's, there was lots of other things that we tried to do to to express that. But again, you know, I'm fine with you, anything can be read into it. You know, if you want to read something into it, yeah, it's fine. It's not it's not wrong. It's there, you know. Is there subliminal messages? You know, if, if, if well, I think you have to know about them as subliminal. If I don't know about them. Then it's, it's something different. Um, but you know, if it, if it evokes, you know, we were trying to evoke a feeling all the time. Yeah, you know, evoke some sort of emotion. How you how you interpret that is that's 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 the great thing about storytelling, right? Yeah, is that you know, like even like the fall. The fall is told from the little girl's point of view, how she hears the story. You know, if you listen to what Roy's actually saying in that film, you know, he's he's talking about a to- he talks about an Indian character. He means American, you know, uh, native, whereas she interprets it as you know someone from India. Yeah, and it's 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 how people interpret stories in any sort of way. It's still in their mind, the story's still going on. They're still enjoying it, you know, and that's how it's with even the Handmaid's Tale. It's like there's we put all this stuff together. And so people see lots of different things in it, and that's fine. It's great. Yeah, I would almost argue when you're making something at a certain level that's interesting, it it's it's almost a benefit that people are getting from it so many very different ideas, which I think is more of a comment about how much you have um, layered your storytelling that people can take from it things that you didn't even intend, because that's almost like the beauty of it once it's fully baked. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, I mean, Charles Sam talked about that with his work. Uh, you know, people read a lot more into his work than than he anticipated for it to be there. Yeah, and um, that's cool. Yeah, I think throughout through yeah, it's cool throughout the ages. I think we've done that. We've always interpreted artists in in our own way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, last thing I was curious about with Handmaid's Tales, I, I was actually in talking with, about it with Stuart. He had discussed this that it was fascinating once, like uh, maybe. I don't know if it was this case when you were on the show that Elizabeth Moss being like an executive producer on the show, that it kind of creates an environment that she would describe as 
it's it's a bit more film school because we could just try things because if you need an EP to sign off on something, she is that person. So there was more freedom in a sense. I was curious just what that was like working in an environment where the lead um, ha- allows for just a different level of, of um, opportunity creatively. Well, I guess I grew, you know, although she was an EP from season one, we grew into that sort of that role together. Mm-hmm. You know, we helped me, me and you know, me and Elizabeth work together on season one to sort of create this mood of like that we can try stuff, you know, when we talk about it with Bruce, you know, could, you know the, the final say of the edit, how some things make it in and some things don't. And it's our job to continually try stuff and not be precious about it if it doesn't make it into the show but you know if we do 10 things then you know if five make it in then great you mm-hmm. know um, but they're five they're, Bruce, they're, they will choose five the five that work story-wise you know if, if it doesn't work story-wise if it's gratuitous or just doesn't take the story on it'll be you know it's it's on the edit room floor but we sort of grew into that in season one that we just keep trying it keep trying it keep going you know and we would encourage when into season two with zoe and we would you know, encourage her to sort of continually you know, push the boat out, look for framing that was you know, um, interesting, you know, and, and we didn't want to make normal, boring TV, not, not all TV's boring, but we didn't want to make normal TV. Yeah, no, no, standard coverage. Who, who, who yeah. needs it? Who yeah. wants it? Coverage is a dirty word. <laughs> I like that. Um, and then I guess last thing I want to talk to you about, you're actually... Um, the first uh, ASC member that has been on come on the show, and I'm was always curious to to chat about um, what it means to you to be a part of that. And um, I'm not sure what year you you became a, uh, an ASC member, but to to kind of discuss what that means uh, to you. I've been uh, a year and um, just come up for a year and a half, I think. Okay. Um, it was it was Reed Morano um, sponsored me for the ASC. Uh, along with Seamus McGarvey and uh, Matthew Libertique. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, you know, it was a huge, I, I, I felt, first of all, it was a slight imposter syndrome that I didn't belong there, you know. Really? Such, a, 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 such a, a rich roster of talent. Yeah. And, you know, what, what, what had I done, you know? And, but Reed was very supportive. And so I, I went for it and got in and, you know, it, 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 as I looked into it, what it was, you know, because I wasn't really a clubby kind of guy. You know, I don't do golf clubs and things like that. And, you know, I think, is that for me? And then you realise, and I realised that it was, it's such an amazing society that, you know, and, and rightly so, that it's, one of its main aims is to give back, mm. is to maintain the art of cinematography and feed the information out as much as possible, mm-hmm. and to share everything that we all know, share every every last bit of knowledge. You know, he's talking to talking to a DP on Saturday about this. Is about you know, he'll let you know everything as I will. You can anything you want to know. I'll, I'll tell you. you know, it might not make any sense, but there's no secrets, and there shouldn't be. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what the that's what the ASC does. It's a it's it's supportive of young filmmakers. It's uh, it's generous with young filmmakers. And uh, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a great institute. You know, it's it knows it has, you know, it's it's an old institute that's trying to <clears throat> make itself relevant in 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 the current world. You know, sure. there's a, there's a lot lot has changed, and I, I I watch it really try to adapt. Yeah. You know, um, 
you know, trying to get younger female members into its into its uh, into the society, and you know, it makes positive decisions to sort of to try and you know get into the modern world. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting to hear you just say, like a year and a half ago, having imposter syndrome. I mean, I find that like. Is that you think? Um, is that ever going to go away? Because I, because the I don't think so. Probably not for me. Yeah. Um, and I just just learn to live with it. You know, again, again, it just makes me work harder, but or try and work harder. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I feel like I'm some incredibly lazy at times, and you know, when you see all these people doing this amazing stuff, there's just there's just so much talent in there. You know, you look around the room on Saturday, it's just insane amount of talent. Some people have done some stuff, you know. You know, I was sitting next to Claire Popkin, who just done free solo. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, what a, what a great sort of, you know, great achievement. You know, it's just, so, it's just, it's just everywhere. You go, wow, it's, it's great to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Claire was on the show, actually. We we uh, recorded it in my, in my living room. It, it was great to Super talk nice to him. Super nice guy. Yeah. Super nice guy. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really... Um, it's been great to, to, to speak with you and to hear and um, you, yeah, thank you about your journey and, and, and also just your, your candor about about your about your thoughts on it because it just makes it so much more um, relatable and uh, especially coming from someone with um, I mean you know incredible work so it, it, it's it was really nice to hear your, your views. Nice to speak to you too. It'd be really nice to meet you. Yeah. Cut out all the bits that make me sound like a knobhead. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing that does, man. There's nothing that does. Well, thank you, and uh, and we'll and we'll let you know when um when it's going to yeah, go on the air. Really nice to really nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. You too. All right, have I'll a, talk to you a, soon. Have a great day. Yeah, you Take too. Bye bye.